Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Oh, what in the world? Joey, you killed it. What in Joey, the- you killed it. Ah. Oh. <sighs> really? <laughs> Do over, ladies and gentlemen. Do over. I, I can't do anything right these days. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. What the is this? Come on. Is this really how this is going to be? One last time. Hit it, Joe Perry. Yes, tonight. We're not talking about palace intrigue. We don't have time for that. We're not talking about U.S.-China tensions escalating or Trump not meeting with Putin or all this. We're talking about this nasty, face-melting, gut-busting, sexual rock and roll. And joining me to do this for this classic album battle, Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic against, yes, Pump and... As you can hear, Love in the Elevator, Baron Coleman joins me. Hey, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you for being here. I know. You have hit my topic. I love Aerosmith. Yeah, I was about to say, I hit his button. I found his button. Yeah. It, like, I always knew he was a Guns N' Roses fan, and oh, yeah. he really is. Uh, but, Baron, you've been telling me off air, like, you are a huge Aerosmith. I am. Uh, I do like, I think, if you just had to pick one album, I like Appetite better than any Aerosmith album. Sure. But. Aerosmith's got like 15 studio albums. Right. Guns has like two good studio albums. No, three, three. We use your illusion one and two, and then and then uh, appetite. So neither of us were born when Toys in the Attic comes out. No, it was four years before I was born. It was 75. Yeah, that's a while for me. Then you were nine, ten. That was ten-ish when Pump came out. Pump yeah, came like fourth, out fourth, fifth grade in '89. Yeah. All right. And for just both of us to just throw it out there, I turn 30 on Saturday. I'll turn 39 on Sunday. Nice. I'll accept your present when so, you give me your... Wait, well, we'll both be in the same decade at least. Yeah, yeah, for, for one more year. For one year, we'll be sharing a decade. That's right. We'll be in our 30s, Joe. Yeah, we'll be in our 30s you're together. You're no longer young. Yeah. You're turning 30. You're gonna I be feel old. like an adult. Yeah, you got any gray hair yet? No. In your well, beard even? Not, I'm not going to admit to where it is. Anyway. Joey. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, the forehead. That's where it starts. Uh, Mine started on the chin. Really? Yeah, and then it went to the temples. I'm just going to go with the mustache. Uh, Dave Mowry has convinced me to stick with the mustache. The mustache is hot, dude. It plays. It plays. Mustache. But anyway, what is your uh, love, Aerosmith? How did this begin? Before we get into <laughs> comparing Toys in the Attic and Pump, we're going to go song by song. Folks yeah. who've done this before, we'll do it again. But how did it begin with you? I'll give you an Aerosmith primer, just the quick version. Uh, when Pump came out, and I think Love and Elevator was the first hit off of there, mm-hmm. and everybody was listening to it, and 
it was a big deal. My neighbor was a guy named David Feaser. He's an excellent guitarist. In like sixth or seventh grade, he could play anything you put in front of him. Nice. He could play the solo from one. I mean, he could he could shred. He was and, and like at twelve years old, thirteen years old, the guy could play. And uh, he loved Aerosmith. And when Pump went on tour, when Aerosmith went on their Pump tour, mm. his dad Bob Bob Feaser. And David Feaser and I, we went to the pump show at Starwood Amphitheater, at Starwood Amphitheater in Nashville, 10 years old. And I remember wow. as they were getting ready to come on, he's cut, he got a handkerchief out of his pocket and he had a pocket knife and he was cutting up his handkerchief and sticking pieces of handkerchief in our ears. We were only like the 10th row. And I thought, is it really going to be that loud? And he's like, you're going to want these. <laughs> it was mind changing for me it was it was an experience i fell in love with aerosmith right there wow. in the 10th row i went out and over the course of probably a year or two bought every single album from the self-titled album um you know rats in the cellar toys in the attic yeah. i went get your wings get your wings i mean I, all of it you know yeah. I, I, if if uh if aerosmith had an album i bought it okay and um I, I just fell in love with Aerosmith. I mean, I, I bought singles, I bought live albums, well, I bought and everything. You fell in love at the right time if it's the Pump Tour. Yeah, yeah, because you know they kind of went away. They had a, they had a, they had a couple of lousy albums, um, self-titled and Get Your Wings, and then they had Toys, which was huge. <laughs> and then they had a couple of decent albums after that. And then they went away, and they had a couple of bad albums. Right, and it's a long history of drugs, and like, there's <laughs> yeah. also literally like fights between Joe Perry and Steve Dollar's yeah. wives. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh. Joe Perry's wife was vicious. Yeah. All sorts of crazy drama. And then they came out with Permanent Vacation, which was like a comeback album. Hmm. And everybody knew. I mean, I, I was seven, eight years old, but I, I, I had MTV, and I watched it all the time. So yeah. I knew Angel. I knew I knew all the songs off Permanent Vacation. Uh, but I wasn't a huge Aerosmith fan. I just knew the stuff. Uh, I had the permanent vacation tape. Right. Well, and I, it's, it's But I didn't fall in love with it like I did with Pump. It's fun to set these up because Toys is the quintessential Aerosmith album. Yeah. The band says that. It's where they were at their peak. It's, as the, it's the highest selling album of all time. It is. Aerosmith. It's their number one. They, it was something like, I think, 8 million copies. Pump is tied with the next album after Pump, Get Your Grip, yeah. uh, for at seven million apiece. Yeah. See, I, I cut Aerosmith off at Pump. So this is a this is but this is a fair comparison. Yeah, first yeah. best selling album against their second best selling right, album, yeah. and it's also Permanent Vacation. A lot of the guys thought they were it was too commercial sounding. Well, apparently, it, yeah. In Permanent Vacation and Pump, if you just compared those two, you're comparing the same Aerosmith era. Right, but if you do pump and toys, you're comparing two distinct Aerosmith eras. You're 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 comparing the blues era right. with the pop rock era. Well, and but even with pump, Joe Perry, I think I was just reading, was saying that permanent vacation went too pop. Yeah, they wanted to do some actual rock and roll and compete it's, with the modern contemporary rock bands. It's time. pop rock. Pump is pop. Oh, it rock. definitely is. Then they went back to pop for get you get a grip. That's why I, I mean, left them. Because Janie's got a gun and what it takes are very much pop songs. Sure, they are. Um, they're they're heavy too. You get some Joe Perry, but they did make a conscious effort. They said to get back to what Toys was about—that rawness, that yeah. rock element—and to a degree, they succeed. Um, and it's—I don't know. I just—I love Aerosmith. It goes all the way back to where I'm of the era where I only experienced them through Greatest Hits albums. So, but big ones. I remember vividly the Big Ones album. And my current roommate, back when he was about 12, he went to, I think, the Big Ones tour or something like that when he was very young. And uh, he remembers people... 
uh, blowing up the prophylactics, the Aerosmith prophylactics they were <laughs> handing out to all the guests. And he remembers asking his mom, what are all these balloons around the the crowd here? No, those aren't exactly balloons. But so, and the band, is, it's a true, like, American rock band. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of the great hard rock bands of the old time are, are British. Or they're, I mean, but they're a true American rock yeah. band. Uh, they're they, America's answer to Rolling Stones. Yeah. And, I mean, true blues rock, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's heavily, especially the early stuff. The early stuff, but even we'll get into it with uh, going track by track. But the, even, like, on Pump, they're still, you can hear the blues. Yeah. And, they actually have explicit nods that we'll get into. Um, really good stuff. So, But they're a band explicitly about sex. And especially after when they come back in the late 80s, I think Steven Tyler quipped that, what's the old saying, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, if you get rid of the drugs, what do you have more time to do? Yeah. Uh, the other two. So this album, too, is Pump. Is uh, he was? They're worried about the PMRC. They're worried about Tipper Gore. They're worried about all this stuff. That's that era, that late '80s, early '90s. It's weird to think about now how we're worried about what we say these days, but in, it's a different side in a way. Yeah. That um, so, let's get into this though. I'm ready. First track, and again, folks, we're going track by track. That's how a classic album battle works. You yeah. go track by track. You could sit here and talk about the albums, compare and contrast in whatever way you like, but we're going track by track. And we'll just score it, and it's nine, so it can't tie. So, what, here's the thing we had to do. Oh, yeah. Technically, Pump has ten tracks. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Not in a But you told me as an expert on Aerosmith, yeah. a lover of Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young, Lost, and Fine are one song. So it's those are called track one and two. It's, one and, it's track one and two on a CD, and it's listed as one and two on a tape or, or, on, or iTunes, on iTunes, like Spotify. But if you listen to it on a tape, which was the most modern way to listen to it at the time, there is no break between Young Lust and Fine, and the themes go through. It's the, it's the same song. Right. It's just it's two distinctly sounding halves of the same song, and so I have always considered it one song. And so you said. Okay. You, when you, you said, well, we got a problem. There's ten songs on Pump and only nine on Toys. I said, well, it's kind of like We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions yeah. by Queen. It's like those two always go together. Right, same song. So, same song. Young, Lust, and Fine, then we're counting as the first track Correct. on Pump. Yeah. That is going up against Toys in the Attic. Whew. The title track. Yeah. Now, I was, as a guitar player myself, I picked up my, I should have, plugged in my electric, but I picked up my acoustic this morning. It's like, I want to learn to play toys, at yeah. least. And actually, because a lot of the stuff I learned was blues-based, I got it immediately. Yeah. It, it, they are using power chords. They're using and an E, uh, uh, the, uh, the key of E. Yeah. They are playing blues pentatonic music. Yeah. Uh, really cool stuff, but I don't know. I'm going to see to you first. Between Young Lust and Fine against Toys in the Attic, which way do you go? <coughs> I go Toys in the Attic for two reasons. Number one is it's the title track of the greatest selling album. It's one of their biggest hits of all time. Um, Young Lust was never released as its own single. Fine was, and it didn't do very well. Uh, and I think there's a reason for that. It did, but it, I like the songs. Don't get me wrong. If you if you fired up right now, I'll go, I'll go back to my When I Fell in Love with Aerosmith. I walk into the I walk into the concert and they had this gigantic I don't know what you call it drape over the stage. Yeah. And they came out and they played about the first eight measures of Young Lust behind the drape, filled the whole thing up with smoke. They had lights behind it. You could see them playing, and then the drape dropped. 
Oh, it was a drop curtain. Yes. Oh, those are amazing. And then the smoke comes billowing out, and all the sound becomes unmuffled, and they're just rocking and rolling. And I'm telling you, it it was a moment. So I've always had an emotional connection to Young Lust because of that moment. But I go with Toys in the Attic. I love this, like the yes. yeah. This is this is, I think, one of their all-time great songs. See, I don't know though if we're putting Young Lust and Fine together. Just yeah. listening to the music, not including the history. I, I don't know if I like the chorus on Toys that much because they're just yelling, Toys, Toys. Well, yeah, and they're, and they're doing it muffled and not in time. Listen, All right. Where the music's great in this. It yeah. is rockin' heavy blues rock music. Yeah, um, the, uh, I don't know. Whereas, just... like, Young Lust, I mean, Young Lust on its own, if it was just Young Lust against Toys and the Attic, I personally... You go the other way? I would give it, no, I would give it to Toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. but Fine carries it. But with Young Lust and Fine together... You know what Fine cool. stands for? Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Can't uh, say it on the radio. Up. Insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Yes. It's a, uh, yeah. So it spoke to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am effed up, insur- insecure, uh, neurotic, and emotional. Well, uh, often. It, by all means. Often. And I love the lyrics in it. I love Fine, where uh, your mama says, all right. And like the, it just goes into different parts, different yeah. hooks. And I think the two together, Young Lust and Fine together, to me, overtake Toys in the Eye. Wow. Ah, that's fine. We'll split on that one. We'll split on that. We'll one. split on that. One. Okay. So we'll do one on each. Right. And right. since you got a pin in front of you, we'll yeah. do one one there. Yeah, I keep it. So one we're, one. we're it's tie. so you could tie. Yeah. In theory. Okay. Yeah. No, I I think this is not. Like we're not. Said, we're not efforting at unanimity or consensus. Right. No. 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 But that moves us to uh, wow. We came out to yeah. love in an elevator. Yeah. So now we have Love and Elevator up against Uncle Salty. Well, you just because most people don't know Uncle Salty, I would think... Well, I came out to a certain part of it. I can start it from the beginning, if you like. Now, I have it in the system, though, at my favorite part of it. Well, Uncle go ahead Salty. and play where you played it. I just think people need to get an idea of how bluesy Aerosmith was. Because this is a blues song, more than a rock song. But I love this, how the production and as I was listening to it I was looking out my window in the morning yeah. and it's like and then goes into this epic wall of sound sound of vocals and this epic Joe Perry solo coming up well and what's interesting is you played Love in an Elevator solo right if you listen to the Uncle Salty solo and compare it to Love in an Elevator you can see how much better of a guitarist he is yes he was a pretty average guitarist on the first two albums. I agree. Average. I mean, this is this is good, but it's blues. Because he's not classically trained. Right. He had to learn all of that on his own. There's something about Steven Tyler. For some reason, he likes to talk about, like... Abused or traumatized children. Yeah. Because later we'll talk about Janie's got a gun, and this song is essentially about the Uncle Salty is not doing anything salty. Uncle yeah. Salty's the guy who lives at an orphanage, and Tyler was thinking about what would the experience be like to be an orphan, to be left behind. And I don't know. Uncle Salty's good, but Love in the Elevator is so 
Aerosmith. Yeah, love an elevator. Love an elevator of people my generation. If you're older than me, you might go to to a Toys in the Attic or or something like that. For for 39 year old white guys mm-hmm. in America, love an elevator is Aerosmith. And loving the elevator is... Or dude looks like a lady, but that's, you know... But, I mean, that, that's what most people think of when they think of Aerosmith. And, you know, dude looks like a lady. I skipped that track. And that's not on either yeah. of these albums. It's not a bad song. It's yeah. just, it's overplayed. Well, that's because it's Aerosmith. I mean, right. Yeah. It is... It, it, I agree with you to a certain extent. But loving the elevator, I think, still has the... Oh, I'd listen. I, if it's on, I listen. I don't, I don't right. change it. It's still... And it's also got the hard edge, like I was yeah. playing earlier. And they, it goes on. That's what I love about Love in an Elevator is like after they've got all the you know lyrical hooks and all this stuff, they just do a extended jam with because the song parts. could have ended it going down, and it could have ended and just done a little right. drum roll out, but it just keeps going. But then it just keeps going. Right? Yeah, they jam. So I, I don't know, Uncle Salty though. I was oh, I felt so good. I was riding in top down, Uncle Salty in the earbud. Yeah. Ooh. It's a sunny day outside my window. And, oh, it felt so good. You're not going to turn your back on Love in an Elevator. No, I'm not. All right, 2-0 on that one. 2-0. Yeah, Love in so, an Elevator takes that. Right now, it's three, And I love Uncle Salty. It's 3-1. Uh, 3-1. to 3-1. Three to one. Three to one. Okay, okay, okay. Now, let's move to... Uh, oh, well. Monkey on my back off a pump against Adam's Apple. Yeah. Both weird, interesting songs. Yeah, and both of which were up against any of the first four songs would lose. Yes, I think so. Now, Adam's Apple is almost like Steven Tyler stretching his creation story legs. <laughs> like, it, it really is essentially like uh, it was. she ate it, it was love at first bite. Right. It's like a, kind of a play off the, um, the Garden of Eden story. And it's an interesting song. Uh, it's a good, heavy, rocking song. Monkey on My Back is essentially a song about the monkey on his back that he would feed. It's talking about yeah. his addiction. And there's an interesting part. You were telling me you have the making of Pump on VHS. Yeah, I got it when it came out. And I watched it this morning on YouTube. Uh, he is essentially... He takes a moment in the documentary to criticize the Just Say No campaign. Monkey on my back, he is about his addiction, and his point is that just say no, telling a drug addict like he was that just say no is like telling a manic depressive, just cheer up. <laughs> it's a little more complicated than that. And so what he's trying to go for in the song is that it because it is cutting edge, because it is salty in a way, he's using the F-bombs and stuff, maybe I'll reach a kid or two, is Steven Tyler's hope, that has troubles with addiction. Maybe how brash the song is, how honest the song is, will make somebody wake up to how difficult addiction is. And I think if you notice how the song starts, it starts slow with vocals, heavy, and... Almost like you're in a surreal sort of dream state is how it opens. Right. And it, it sets the tone for the entire song. I like it. Like I said, Monkey on My Back, Adam's Apple, they lose to any of the first four songs. Toys, Uncle Salty, Love and Elevator, or Young Lust. But if you have to score it, these two, mm-hmm. um, I've always thought Adam's Apple was sort of a throwaway song they added. I never thought it was worthy of Toys in the Attic. Are you really going to say that right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, and I'm not being coarse about it. I just... it. Hey, okay, now you're going to play it. It just seems like a throwaway song. Like they were rushed to record and they had to and they... They're like, well, we got this old song we used to play. I have to say, I am going off my gut reaction. Like, when his vocal comes in... 
I like the play on da, the da, da, da. You just story. missed the best part of the song. Da, 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 da. And he does it again in a second. No. It's not a bad song. It's just a throwaway song. No, but then I also love the vocal. She ate it. Well, listen. It was love at first bite. If you know how this album was made, do you, I mean, if you looked at toys, they were on a rush deadline. Yes. They'd only written three songs. They wanted to record ten. They'd only right. written three. They only ended up with nine. And... He had a bunch of licks that he had just been practicing right. while they were on their first on two the tours. On the road, yeah. yeah. And so he's just throwing licks together, and, and uh, Stephen Tyler's just scatting lyrics. All right. And they're figuring it out. And I, I have to, I wasn't there. This was four years before I was born. It was 1975. <laughs> but I have to believe that when you go back into the studio, if you had a time machine, if you go 88 miles an hour into DeLorean and go back and watch them, Joe Perry's playing some licks. Yeah. And, and Stephen Tyler's scatting, and he's just saying a story that everybody knows, Cain and Abel. And because there are two distinct licks in here, right? The dun, 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 mm-hmm. And then a dun dun dun. So it's it's. I just think it's a throwaway song. I don't think it, it's Aerosmith worthy. Okay, I have to go off my gut, All right. because I've listened to both albums. I listened to them earlier in the week. I've been listening. I listened to it again today while I'm driving around, while I was waking up and working out. Like I listened to them. If it's up to me, like, and my finger itches to go to the next button, more so. Monkey on my back. Okay. Because that's a, I think that's a good standard. I think the story. Which behind, one's listenable? Right. The story behind Monkey on My Back is uh, interesting. More interesting than I think Adam's Apple, which is a young man's kind of tongue in cheek, uh, you know, creation story. It's a it's a clever lyric. But here's what I think this will come down to. I don't want to reveal my cards too much, but what will come down to is when you listen to these albums straight through. And I know we're going track by track, song by song, but when you listen to these albums straight through, it, Toys in the Attic is much more listenable. To where Adam's Apple fits so well into the rest of the themes and how the other tracks flow. So as you're ending Uncle Salty into Adam's Apple, it's kind of a nice bluesy palate cleanser. It's so good in in that sense. <laughs> I don't know. That's just my gut. I guess we're going to have to... Disagree we'll on have this to split one. on this one. And, we'll and, and I don't dislike Adam's apple. I like the two main licks. Especially that da na na na. I think it's a great little lick. I like the but vocal, it's, man. It's 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 a throwaway song. Okay. It's not, right. it's not, there's two throwaway songs in this album. I'll let you figure out what the other one is. All right. Uh, and there's throwaway songs on pump too. Well, I guess. So we'll get yes. to those. And I think that actually is what makes the difference, but I'm getting at it. Right, we'll, we'll get to you. We'll get you. All right. Now we've got oh wow. Now yes. this is a hell of a match. A battle. This is good right here. Yeah. Janie's got a gun off a pump. Right. Walk this way. Right. Now, who doesn't know either of these songs? Oh, no. These are quintessential. Areas. They are. I mean, you know how controversial? You, you, I was 10 and 89 when this came out. Mm. It was controversial. Janie's got a gun. The video, the, yes. the concept... The, that a teenager would have a gun and you know be angry at her parents. I mean, it was a controversial concept. Well, and it, uh, the big boss, the big producer, yeah. came in after they got the songs done for their kind of almost had them done, workshopping them. He said, "I love Janie's Got a Gun. It's interesting. This might be Stephen's masterpiece, but it would be a real shame um, if the initial lyric I think was he raped a itty bitty baby." Yeah. It would be a shame if people lost the message of the song because of a word, right. the word rape. Whereas, so he could change it to, he did a little itty-bitty baby. Yeah, now, take it one step farther. Hmm. 
The original title was Danny's Got a Gun. Ooh. And Danny was the one that got raped. Right. And no, what's interesting is I feel comfortable saying these words, talking about this subject in 2018. You wouldn't have an 89. Right. That's amazing. And yeah. again, folks, this is the Tipper Gore PMRC. That's who ex- they were exactly worried Correct. about. And that, I don't know, I think it's a great song. It's an interesting, it's a weird song. The Runaway and uh, the the solo in Janie's Got a Gun yeah. is weird and crazy. Like, whatever, he's. it's not an overly distorted guitar solo. He's doing some crazy blue stuff. And it doesn't have the traditional solo of the start, build, end. It's kind of chaos. Yeah, it just goes everywhere. Which um, fits with the theme. It does. And and, and exactly. that. It, but it's... I think the controversy overshadowed the song. A lot of people were, were reluctant to play it when it first came out. It didn't get the airplay it probably deserved. And... You know, walk this way. walk this way was covered by a rap group, man. Right. You know what I mean? Well, that's Aerosmith in a way came back with that. Yeah. Well, so. and I think Run DMC were like, "What the hell is this nonsense?" The yeah. lyrically, I don't and know then, the story of how Run DMC ended up with it. I'm, I think it was like a record company thing. They just like, said, you know, "Let's put these two together." Yeah. Because like it had that cool dude. I mean, it had that cool drum intro. And and did you hear? Do you know the story of how that song was written? It's a great. It's a great little walk story. Walk this way. Yeah, walk this oh, way. You can tell. All right. So he comes up with the opening riff on the uh, Get Your Wings tour. Comes yeah. up with the opening riff, but he's got no words at all. <laughs> so he goes in. He lays the riff down, and while he's doing it, Steven Tyler jumps on the drums and starts that dun. So he came up with that. You know, he came up with that, and he's just banging away. And and Joe Perry's still playing that. And he just starts singing about a guy losing his virginity. Yes. And he starts scatting along, and he's just throwing words in there, and he's just going along. So then they come to record, and, they, and again, they're running out of money. The recording company's getting frustrated with them. You got a deadline. We're supposed to put 10 songs on this album. You're behind. So he stays up the night before, gets really stoned on heroin and, and uh, or, or, you know, all the drugs he's used. He gets really stoned. He writes out this masterpiece, Walk This Way. He gets in the cab, goes to the recording session, and leaves the lyrics in the cab. <laughs> so they bang out what he can remember of the first verse. They hate it. He goes and locks himself in a bathroom or someplace for three hours. He said it was the stairwell. That's what it was. And, oh, he, and he wrote it on the wall. On the wall, yes. Yeah. And then he... And then he Puts it back together, and he said about 60, 70% of the lyrics well, are probably the same. also, doesn't Young Frankenstein play into this? Go that, ahead. That the title of the song, there's one scene... Oh, Walk in, This Way. Walk yeah. This... Yeah, where Igor, Igor <laughs> yeah. like, what a... <laughs> like, he, he goes down just this little stairway, walk this way. So they all lean over and yes. walk that way? <laughs> I love that movie. Oh, my yeah. gosh, it's one of my favorite movies. And so that's just... I, I don't know if there's, in my mind, much of a contest here. No, let's walk this way. Let's walk this way. 100%. All day, every. Janie's Got a Gun is an iconic song. Yeah. But in terms of, like, am I going to sit and listen to it? <laughs> it's not one I go run for when it comes to Aerosmith song. And that's not knocking 80s Aerosmith. We'll yeah. get to this. Oh, yeah. I am torn, Baron. On this there's, next one? Oh, maybe on this next one, but on the actually the last songs. Oh. I man. am so torn. I have no clue what well, I'm going to do. But this next one tears me up because I love both songs. We, you know what we should do before we do Take this? Take a break. Since we're going to go to the other well, side of the let's album. Let's preview it for folks. We're talking the other side. So we'll go to the other side of both albums. Yes. And... Well, big okay. ten inch. I know. That's going to be. Those a are two unbelievably good songs. Well, I mean, we could go out to one of them. 
We could go out to one of them. Go, go, go. Most people know other side just because it's new. Yeah. Um, maybe go out to. Uh, maybe go out to Big Ten and Trigger. Yeah, why not? You folks know this. Off Toys in the Attic. It's actually a '50s hit. Yeah. And they covered it pretty faithfully. They didn't rock it up. Yeah. They, to me, it reminds me of something Jimmy Buffett would cover. Yeah. And they, it was, it's kind of a nod to we are a blues R&B band in a way. Yeah. And if you listen to Steven Tyler's vocal, he reminds me of more of soul singers than he does and blues singers than he does of a lot of rock singers. Yeah, he doesn't have that high, yeah, not in this one. It's a good song. is the song that's been stuck in my head all day. It is so catchy. Such an earworm. It's a pop rock song. Well, and you actually know that uh, they got sued for this song. By whom? The folks who wrote Standing in the Shadows of Love. The melody is the same. Oh, is it really? Did they lose? Yeah. Did they cut a deal or something? They, they lost or and cut a deal to just give them credit. Yeah, they got a writer's credit or something? Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. Well, and if you think about Standing in the Shadows of Love, it's pretty similar. But it's, uh, this is our problem. We're, again, folks, doing a classic album battle, Aerosmith edition, comparing 75's Toys in the Attic against 1989's Pump. And now we're, uh, currently, we combined the first two songs on Pump into one song, because that's how they flow at the time when it was played on tape. And so, what's the score currently? Uh, we've got three, uh, no, excuse me, four to four. It's tied up? Tied wow. after uh, after side one of both albums, it is tied. We're, we're going track by track, folks. Tracks yeah. head to head. Yeah, we're, and, we're flipping both albums over. And Baron and I have disagreed on a few of these. We have. Uh, the songs we've been in mutual agreements on are Walk This Way Over Janie's Got a Gun and Love in an Elevator Over Uncle Salty. We split on Toys and Young Lust Fine, and we split on Adam's Apple and Monkey on My Back. Which still makes me a little salty, but that's okay. That's fine. Because I think at this point, Pump should be up, too. But well, that's okay. That's you're okay. going to have to get over it. Apparently, I am. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. I like this, though. It's tied. It's I didn't tied. expect this. No, I, didn't, I did Again, not expect folks, this. Folks, they're like, oh, you can't even compare toys no. to anything, especially late sellout Aerosmith. No. That's what somebody we were talking to earlier today was suggesting. Uh, but here, big 10-inch yeah. that we went out to. And the other side that we just came into. Right. It's tough, man, because both of these songs are just some of my favorite stuff. Not close for me. Okay. You want to go ahead then? You, well, I don't want to poison the well. The, it's close on you. I don't you wanna... make the argument to me. and try, Because, no, I'm really split. I don't know. So you I'll, make the original, argument. Original Aerosmith versus cover. Okay. Um, 
an earworm pop rock sensation mm. versus a modest dance hit from the 70s. Um, hmm. Do I keep going on? So you're going with the other side. I don't think it's a contest. I don't think it's a contest. I like Big Ten Inch. It sounds like a cool Buffett song. Right. You know? Um, there's another song on here that, that I really like because it sounds just like an Aeros- I mean, a Guns N' Roses song. We'll right. cover that in a little bit. Oh, yes. Um, but this, the Big Ten Inch is, it's okay. It's okay. I never understood why it was a hit. Uh, it's a good it's song. The, it's the double entendre, man. It's and a, it's I also know. like it's... Remember, like, it happened also in the Nobody early... needs a big tenant record. What? <laughs> no. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> Sit at home by yourself? Is that on 33 or 45 <laughs> RPM? No, wait, you're going the wrong way with it, Joey. Yeah, no, no. That's not, uh, that's not that's the big tenant record that's I was not talking what about. we're talking about. My goodness. A lot of women will turn you away with a tenant record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you the facts. <laughs> Everybody acts like they want one, but you don't, I promise. No. no. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. I, do you remember, a like in the 90s, there was kind of a, a throwback. What was it, like the Stray Cats? Yeah. Where, yeah, I think t- Big Ten Inch was like that in the 70s. It's like a throwback to 50s kind of jazz kind dance. Kind of jazzy swing dance. You know what? I think you've convinced me. Yeah. For the number one reason is... The other side's an original yeah, song. Yeah, it's an original. And for being so pop rock, that's a very bluesy song. It, it, it's you, a great song. I mean, you listen to it, so you know what it opens up with, right? Yeah. It opens up with the dulcimer stomp. Go ahead. What is the hell is a dulcimer stomp? No, like on the album, Pump. Yeah. Track six is called Dulcimer Stomp Slash The Other Side. Well, I didn't know it was called that. Yeah, I, I can uh, hold on. Here. I believe you. Oh, here it is. This is how it actually begins on the album. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the da, 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 da. Yeah. Okay. And this is the blues in them. This right. is the old school in them. And then it breaks. There's a slight pause, but it never goes to silence. It's just a slight, like, as it all fades out, and then they hit it. Right. Yeah, it's about 30 seconds. So 34 seconds. Maybe. They do a great job. Aerosmith always goes back to the roots, especially if they got older. Yeah. And, I mean, the... Yeah. Very bluesy. So I, I think you're right. The other side gets it. Yeah. And the dulcimer stomp actually threw it over the top for me. I didn't know that had a name. I just thought it was the beginning of other side. No. Nah, like the way it... Also, I think it's because... It, again, I go back to my experience. There's no right answer to this crap, no. people. It's yeah, subjective. Well, some of these are. <laughs> it's some subjective. Some of these are. Yeah. Well, if, if you subjectively choose, say, I don't know... Uh, walk this way. Well, no. If you choose what over, I think you. Way? I think you got. I think you got it wrong on, on Adam's, Adam's apple. Yeah, oh, I'm a big fat idiot on this one. No, well, I'm going to probably be an idiot on one of these because <laughs> I've got one that just for what. I, and I know which one we're going to disagree on. Okay, but I've got yeah. one that just emotionally I like. Okay, well, no, that's fine. Again, these things are subjective. So, uh, what are we up to now? We're we both went other side. So now it's six to four. Six to four. Yeah. Six but to I, four. It, Pump it, is in the lead. It's about to correct itself. I think you're right. So, we have My Girl. That's a good... But it's Aerosmith My Girl. That's a good one against Sweet Emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're beating Sweet Emotion. No. It no, is... No. The greatest selling Aerosmith song of all time. Right. It's And it's so... It's always like this opening. That's it. That's, that's what does it. Tom Hamilton's opening to Sweet Emotion is... Hat tip to Tom. Yeah. I think he... I, if I, if I, I don't remember exactly, but I think he came in and laid that bass line down and they built yeah. a song around it. Exactly. Which yeah. is rare. 
Yeah, he's the one who came up with it. Yeah, the bass. And he said it, it's based off a highly influenced by Jeff Beck. Really? Can't remember the name of the song. Really? Yeah, and actually, Walk This Way was influenced by the Meters and Sissy Strut. The Funky Meters? Yeah. Joe Perry wow. felt somebody introduced him to the Meters. and uh, I can listen to the Meters all day. And so that's how they came with Walk This Way. Hamilton was listening to a Jeff Beck album. And so these guys were all like... I just, I love that bass line. Uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's so good. It, it is one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. Ever. Yeah, you Ever. can play this in any setting. You put it on a party. You can put it on like an opium den. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. Up, down, dancing. I don't know like, how many movies has been used in. Oh, man. It's just, it's one of those, uh, and it's also, again, like the American canon. When people 100 years from now talk about American history, I think Sweet Emotion is one of those songs that is shared. Here is what 70s American rock and roll is all about. Yeah. It, it's hard to beat. So that's clearly the winner here. No doubt about it. So we're back to a tie. We're back to a tie. Yeah, six to six. Hmm. Don't get mad, get even. Ooh, don't get mad, get even. That is the track on Pump. That's a good one. I am totally loving the show, by the way. Yeah. yeah. No, I love doing these classic album battles. Yeah. We need to get, you know, any suggestions, by the way, folks. You know, actually, Maori was talking. Maori had a great suggestion. We need to get him in here to do a Rolling Stones. Yeah, he he knows as much about the Rolling Stones as anybody you'll meet. And, you know, I don't know. You know, you know what? Hold on, hold on. Yeah. My neighbor, his father worked for the Rolling Stones forever. And he wrote a book called Out of Their, Out of Their Heads. It's a great book. I want to get him on my show, the yeah. father who wrote the book. All these really cool stories. Worked for the Beatles, then worked for Rolling Stones for ever sure i want to get him on to talk about his experiences he would be a cool guest to have alongside Dave. the rolling stones no we show. get three people yeah and he lives in los angeles he had to do it by phone but oh yeah we can make right, that where work where he lives maybe he's, we anyway. can make that work yeah i think it'd be cool to get that insight no and honestly i'm going to convince him that he is sh he's shy about coming up here yeah and he's probably gonna be like you should be talking about the news but uh the buttery one would be good to bring on for a beatles battle. Oh, man, yeah. He'd be real good He likes the that. Beatles. Oh, he loves... Or an Eagles battle. He loves the Eagles. The Eagles are... I, I still... I love Steely Dan. We could do a Steely Dan. Oh, I Dan. could do Steely Dan all day. Oh, man. I like, love Steely like Dan. Like Asia you can do Can't Buy a Thrill. You could do Ooh. Steely Dan versus... Uh, I can't think of the name of that. one blank. Steely Dan? No, uh, the, I the, try uh, to keep it... Super Tramp. Super Tramp. See, but I try to keep it, like, in band against themselves. I know, but, but to me, they're both... They're so different, though. Super I know. Tramp and the, Are you, Breakfast in America is nothing like. Uh, no, no, no. But it's still it's an amazing no, comparison. They're, they're like incredible studio I'm musicians. Both like Asia and Breakfast in America on vinyl at home. Yeah. It's, they're on constant rotation. All right, do them against uh, do them against Toto. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Hold the line. That <laughs> <laughs> isn't always on time. Okay, let's get back to the sorry the fight. Don't get mad. Get even. Against no more, no more. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you lead on this one. I'm having a little uh, trouble on this one, too. Actually, no, I'm not. It, for me, this is where Toys in the Attic starts to kick in. This is where, and I know we're supposed to be going track by track, but Toys in the Attic on what should be throwaway songs on the B-side of the album, it's where they really kick in and kick hard like you could tell this band's been touring for a year straight 
nonstop gigs. So where these songs are just tight. So I, I mean, just to remind the audience, I'm just glad you're going this way because if you'd have gone with "Don't Get Mad, Get Even," I was going to question your oh. Aerosmith ability. No, no, that no. is such a throwaway song. The the chorus is just literally him saying, "Don't get mad, get even." At the top of his lungs, over and over. Right, which is cool, but no, it's not cool. It's a waste. Give me some, t- give me some content. But no more, no more is phenomenal. No more, no more. This like picking, like it's a great song. It's, it is bluesy. Yeah, you can almost picture it being sung in a smoky room with a piano in the corner. You know, but that picking yeah. right there, it's. Subtle. And then how it goes into something a little bit heavier. His vocal on this is incredible. You almost can't listen to this unless you're in a smoke-filled room with a Budweiser. <laughs> yeah, that's... This is, this is 2-0 on this, right? Yeah. Okay. No More, No More clearly is the winner. Not 100%. It is 10 times the song. Don't Get Mad, Get Even is not even Aerosmith. Not, e- no. not even Aerosmith worthy, much less decent Aerosmith discussion. It shouldn't have made It shouldn't. No, have made that's filler. It's not that good. That's one of those where they have four hits, they have three or four okay songs, and then they have like one or two spots. They said, we can't release a 31-minute album. Go in there and produce a four-minute song of garbage. Now, here's our next battle. Round and round. Yeah. Which sounds like a... This is the song I said sounds like a Guns N' Roses song. It's heavy. Oh, it's... this is 75. You can picture Slash playing this. This is Led Zeppelin almost. Sabbath. Yeah. And the the vocals being all obscured like that, very un-Aerosmith. Yeah, and apparently it was uh, Brad Whitford that wanted to do that. Yeah, Brad, no, Brad Whitford's the one who came up with this heavy yeah. riff. Because really, it, as a guitar player, this riff is not that difficult. It's a power chord, basic kind of riff. But that's that's what I love about Aerosmith too. Is they don't. Joe Perry sometimes does something that's crazy. Because well, the thing with Joe Perry is he's not classically trained. He's not officially trained. So. When the way they put it in, like that pump, the making a pump documentary, is Joe sits over there and smolders with his guitar, and sometimes you'll lose them, but then out of nowhere, that smoldering, a bolt of lightning will fly right. up. And in many instances, Joe Perry does that to where it's very difficult to replicate what he does because it's so uniquely him. He's well, just I, making I have, things. Up. I've heard when they have him in a studio and he's just riffing around. They have him recorded at all times. Yeah. So if somebody hears something, they can stop and go, go back, go back, play that. Because, no, you really will forget. Yeah. You're, just, you're, you're just going. So then you just have to piece it back by sound. Exactly. Say, go back, go do that. And, and so, I don't know, but what are we up against? You said something earlier. This is uh, Hoodoo Voodoo Medicine Man. Voodoo Medicine Man, I like this song. Um, I, I like Round and Round. It's a fine song. Um, I like Voodoo Medicine Man. I like the way Steven Tyler's vocals really stretch on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a cool song. I don't I don't. A lot of people think it's a throwaway song, like "Don't Get Mad, Get Even," like they stuck them in there back to back. Right. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I like the way it starts. Um, it finishes strong. And if you, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know if most people know the song. So you may want to play it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a better. To me, "Round and Round" is un Aerosmith. Hmm. It, the, the vocals are obscured. It's this like broody, heavy, distorted power chord song, and it just—I don't know. I don't know if it's. 
Yeah. You got to go forward through this. Got a funky intro. Yeah, there you go. Get a little bit. You're just about to hit it. It's got that blues influence from the beginning. Bass. Yeah. Wait till, wait till it opens up here. I think my mind was just changed there. I'm telling you, that song is tough, and a lot of people think that's a throwaway. It's not. That's, that's not, not a throwaway song. That's almost as heavy. I think, when I think of the heaviest Aerosmith song, I might be wrong about this, yeah. but do you remember the Aerosmith song, What Kind of Love Are You On? No. Mm. Just as a little You know what album that's on? No, I don't. You know what I remember it from? Uh-uh. Is the it later? stupid Armageddon movie. Oh, so it's a late one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I gave up on Aerosmith after Pump. They, yeah, they went, they went total pop. They, this, they lost their rock edge. Yeah, no, this is on Armageddon. Oh, okay. That's why I don't know it. But this is right before the guys go on their mission, and they're at a gentleman's club. Yeah, and it's heavy. I like that, and that Voodoo Medicine Man reminded me of it. Um, so, I, I'm, listen, when you get home, cut through that intro crap, listen to Voodoo Medicine Man from about... I, I heard of this. I, no, what happened is I played these albums straight through and I didn't look at the tracks enough. Oh, no! So, so actually, Voodoo Medicine Man, I, hearing it again, I think it beats Round and Round. I, I do, too. And it's, it's not that Round and Round's a bad song. Round and Round, I'll give it its due, fits the album, I think, better than Voodoo Medicine Man fits in the flow of the album. Yeah, no. and, and let's make this clear. We're doing track by track, but the flow it's of Boys in the Attic is superior. No, no doubt far. about it. O overall, mm -hmm. I mean, it's tied going into the last song. Wow. And, and, and I, I, my guess is it ends tied, because I think I know which way you're leaning on this last one. I, I know, know which way I'm leaning. I don't know what I'm doing. All right, because one of these is one of my all-time favorite Aerosmith songs. <sighs> it's a Desmond Child classic. Here is first. You want to go off what's on? Well, let's just tell them. We're eight to eight through eight songs. Yes. And what it takes is Pump's power ballad close. And You See Me Crying was Toys's power ballad close. And that's unusual for Aerosmith. They don't do power ballad, clo power ballad closes on all right. the albums. So, so we're, we're, com we're, we're comparing so. even subgenre here of bl alt blues rock. Power ballad, album finishers. I mean, this is a really niche subset song, and both of them nail it. So, this is what it takes off Pump. Desmond Child helped write this. So he is a song. massive songwriter. It's an incredible song. It's one of my favorite songs ever. It's probably my favorite Aerosmith song. I'll just go ahead and tell you which way I'm leaning. Another diamond ring. It's so good. It's so oh, good. Oh, no, come on. Don't do that. Did you find another man? Is it easy to sleep in the bed that we made? When you don't look back, I guess the feeling starts to fade away. Oh, the vocal. Oh, I love this song. We used to feel your fire, but now it's cold inside. All right. 
That's yeah, so good. It's but great. Then, but you see me crying is amazing. Yeah. And if it wasn't up against my absolute favorite Aerosmith song, I probably would go there. And here's a little taste of You See Me Cry, how it's slow. Oh, yeah, it's a ballad. But it's it's also uh, it's and I like very well orchestrated. Yeah, I like the piano. Piano's the sexiest instrument on the album. Well, and okay, and here's what I'll get into with You See Me Crying. I, you know, it's... It's like this introduction that's slow. You see me crying, don't let it get you down. All this stuff. Yeah. But then as they get into the song, they rock out. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to back it up a second. How he builds up here, for me, how it continues to build with his vocal and goes into the orchestration and the guitar solo. I don't think what it takes can handle it. Just hear me out. Hear the song out. It's a little early. But I love songs that build. It's about to get loud. This is just primitive recording equipment, or if they were cutting edge avant-garde, unlike the compressing stuff at the top to make it sound louder than right. it is. Because it, I mean, it, it's compressed up there. It's it's so close because what it takes is an amazing guitar solo too. I'm going what it takes. It's it's probably my all-time favorite Aerosmith song. Um, and it, I think it, I think it caps the album off absolutely flawlessly. It 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 comes weird after the way Voodoo Medicine Man ends to go into what it takes, but you know it that album is so big, so so big, and it's such big monster hits. And to end with what it takes, yeah. I just love it. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Some people would say you go to you see me crying because you got the Desmond Child writer. And what it takes, and that's kind of cheating, right? To bring in one of the biggest. No, love I think song you see me crying time. though has supporting writers. Too. Does it really? Yeah. Okay, I'm going what it takes. You do what you want to do. See if I choose you see me crying, then we're the, it's we tie. Well, you know what? That's your call. You make that decision. You're a big boy. You're gonna be 30 tomorrow. Yeah. Well, Saturday. Saturday. Two days. You're 29 and 363 days. You figure it out. Thirty's <clears throat> old, Joe. You know what? What? It's a huge upset. What it takes, takes it. Oh, what it takes. It's wow. 10. Lord, it wins 10 to 8. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. I really I'm really surprised. It. I'm really surprised. But no, it's, but it's the track-by-track track battle. I went with my gut. Like, yeah. what's my favorite Aerosmith song if it randomly comes on? And it's it's pretty close. Like, oh, right here. Yeah. So, wow. Pump wins. Pump wins. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Baron, thank you for being thank here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for ending on this song, too. Thank you. Oh, I'll be back tomorrow night.